Welcome back to our podcast in Mindsight. It's a pleasure to have you back, guys, people from the internet. Before we get into this week's topic of another chapter of Jordan Peterson's book, 12 Rules for Life, um, I wanted to ask you, my wonderful co-host, Yasin, how has your week been and how has your OnlyFans page doing? <laughs> been doing? <laughs> oh, man. Okay, I'll start with the OnlyFans. So my OnlyFans account's been doing great. I made it at least 10k this past yeah, week. Um, down um, in the down in the description, you can find the link. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. No, guys, we are obviously ki uh, kidding. I, I don't have an OnlyFans account, nor do I have the intention to start one. So yeah, just for information. Uh, other than that, oh, what a shame! My, so many disappointed people out yeah, there. Yes, you yeah, know, I know. You it must be terrible. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. Um, other than that, this week's been pretty good, just because I've been driving around a lot, uh, which led to a surprising amount of self-discovery, and uh -huh. just that's uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just having time to myself, um, talking while driving in <laughs> different languages, <laughs> just. Um, Yeah, it, it it was great. I I I don't know. I think I drove like maybe a hundred kilometers this week, um, and yeah, it was great. I as I said, no, it just led to a all lot of the environmental guys out there will probably hate you for driving know, around with any, without any reason. And actually, like in German law, it's forbidden to drive around without any reason. Mm, I <laughs> had a reason. Uh -huh. I had reason, which is why <laughs> you had reasons. I, you had business to yeah. do. Uh, -huh. <laughs> uh Yeah, not exactly. I just uh, usually I just went to uh, get some groceries, mm -hmm. and from there I just drove around for a bit. Very so nice. technically, I had reason. But yeah. So so great. like so like how does your new new freedom there feel like? <laughs> like freedom. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice best way i can describe it no the thing is it's just great to have time for yourself you know and um to not have <laughs> anyone around for for you know half an hour or whatever and just uh, watch the sunset or uh, just yeah just drive around talk to yourself give yourself advice and <laughs> just that not might give a shit about uh, that might look people. weird for other drivers Arguing yeah, with yourself, sure. but yeah, <laughs> very nice, very nice. Yeah, what about you? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, my studies are like taking up basically all of my time at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Quite stressful, but I'm feeling like, damn, I'm really learning something this semester. Like, it's been quite solid to put it uh, <laughs> in our uh, <laughs> usual words there. <laughs> yeah, and other than that, so. yeah, I can't say much about it because. Nothing else happened than <laughs> studying for a bit. Yeah. Well, it sounds. But there, sounds but there, like, will, like next week on Tuesday, there will be like um, lab courses we are taking where we have to do our own experiments and like statistically <laughs> try to figure out some values like the speed of sound or yeah, <laughs> stuff nice. like that. And I think that will be quite fun. I mean, I, I really enjoyed like doing, like writing a thesis before. I did that in school already. Uh, like not a bachelor's thesis or anything. <laughs> yeah. Don't have a degree yet, but I really uh, liked like experimenting on my own. And I think that will be quite fun. 
even though it will be quite stressful like doing it next to your studies still but yeah yeah i'm sure it will but sound, sounds great so it's interesting <laughs> and yeah um, i guess enough about me let's come to <laughs> this week's topic yeah. of rule six of jordan peterson's book 12 rules for life jordan peterson is a clinical psychologist and yeah he also has been active in like mainstream media the past few years already now with his books and with his talks he's giving uh, he's giving so he's quite a popular figure um that's yeah who's who's like talking about many different uh, topics like the psychology and self-improvement and also some uh, controversial politics uh, but yeah <laughs> this rule we want to talk about is named set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world yeah all right <laughs> i love <laughs> i love that one um i remember when i first read it it just it just resonated with me i was so happy that there were other people <laughs> uh thinking the same uh because how what, how would you define it like or how, how what is this basic uh what what does he want to tell us with that rule um, in the chapter i think what he's saying is that if you are not able to organize your own life and to structure your own life in a, you know, reasonable, healthy way, you have absolutely no credibility to criticize the word and to attempt to kind of restructure the word to your liking. And I think it's it comes down to a matter of uh, being not being hypocritical and being competent and being a competent member of society and therefore having some sort of credibility when when attempting to as i said restructuring the world in whatever way would you agree with that yeah yeah i i would kind of agree with that uh, for me like the chapter was kind of split in two parts like the one set your house in perfect order part like how you can achieve that and then like the criticism uh, part more or less of uh, when you are allowed to criticize the world in that sense on yeah, yeah how yeah attempting to restructure the world so to speak yeah, yeah um if you want we can also go with that structure in our discussion sure sure like, yeah <laughs> so what does setting your house in perfect order mean <laughs> i mean apart you know there's a running joke in the sort of um let's say jordan peterson community or for everyone who knows jordan peterson um he he very much likes to talk in metaphors and therefore oh, yeah, he often, definitely. often says the uh, lobster you know, guy <laughs> yeah the lobster or, <laughs> or you know clean your room and all that and you know some people take it uh maybe too literal and think oh this guy's so stupid he, he's telling me to clean my room and people oh, call I, him an intellectual i mean really who who is thinking that when he's reading oh, that i mean many people man many i've read a lot of um how, how do you say that when you buy a book for example on amazon you can leave reviews mm -hmm. right and you read a lot of people of in the reviews are like this guy's so stupid he's telling me to clean my room and to organize my house and I... he's not an intellectual and then people in the replies <laughs> are like dude you're so stupid <laughs> <laughs> oh come on really now i mean a bit of abstraction and stuff that should be possible but okay whatever so... maybe they didn't have extensive language lessons in school like we do have in <laughs> germany which is a bit of a 
pain in the ass to yeah. <laughs> try to analyze different <laughs> poems and stuff and all the metaphors but yeah <laughs> but actually i'd say helpful. it like this rule like set your house in perfect order before you criticize in the world and stuff it applies f in its actual sense and it's in its figurative sense yeah so to speak yeah i agree completely i mean um i i'm a big believer in the notion that if your house or let's say your room is not cleaned your up and is or messy oh yeah <laughs> your workspace and you know you are your organizational skills are equal to zero and then you go ahead and try to criticize others and criticize you know politicians and the society and the world as a whole as i said you to me at least you have zero credibility <laughs> because I mean, if you apparently if you apparently cannot structure your own life and organize it and clean your room so to speak then why would i why would i give you any credibility when you try to restructure society as a whole oh okay that was is a bit harsh in like my ears I right know. now and like <laughs> <laughs> i mean okay i'd say there's a difference between a messy room and like a completely wrecked uh, degrading house and stuff because people don't take care of that house or that room they don't bring out the, the waste like once a week or whatever <laughs> because okay. i'd say there are many many like really awesome also in science scientific people who have really messy rooms and really messy offices <laughs> but are like in their mind or in their heads like super structured and can bring out <laughs> awesome ideas and then i think you're also allowed to like uh how to say like to criticize politicians and politics and whatever but if you're like actually having uh major problems sustaining your own life like sustaining your house your living uh in the sense of <laughs> you you don't know how to cook <laughs> prop or like to cook basic meals or whatever you rely on your mother still for doing that or whatever <laughs> um then I, I'd see that as more of a critical point of where you should first focus on getting your life in order before uh, criticizing mm -hmm. the world, so, so to speak. Okay, so you're differentiating but, between having a organized chaos and having exactly. complete chaos. Yeah, that's, that's okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, I get it, but it's hard to differentiate, especially from you know looking in from the external to differentiate who is uh who has a chaos that's still organized and who's yeah, just sure, sure. completely messy but i'd sure, say it's yeah. on a spectrum and get your point but i think like in general it seems really absurd to me to like take away the right of people to criticize someone else or to speak someone else based on how they order their <laughs> workspace <laughs> i mean yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say taking the right away because nobody's taking anyone's right away. It's just it's just the idea that before you criticize someone or something, you should first consider, okay, do I actually have my life more in order than that particular person or organization? Yeah. Um because and I think it's it's pretty related. Uh something I stumbled up, uh, upon just a few days ago, uh, a quote again 
which stated that not all advice is created equal. And, you know, it's mm. pretty intuitive, pretty clear. But the lesson I learned from, from that is to always be aware of who is giving you advice. Um, mm. I, I, can, I can illustrate that with an example, which is, let's say you want to start a business, right? And your uncle, who you know, works as a waiter and uses all his free time to you know, just watch football and sleep, uh, is trying to give you advice and kind of tell you what to do when starting a business. And yeah, then, sure. of course, you have to think, okay, is his advice really worth something? <laughs> or is it just a waste <laughs> of time listening to him? And you know, how does his advice compare to someone who has... 20 years plus of experience running multiple success, successful businesses. You know, those yeah, two kind yeah, of advice. Yeah, your, your mentor, Elon Musk, yeah, you probably exactly. agree with them. <laughs> Our, your advice is yeah. definitely not created equal. And we have to realize that. And we have to all also apply that to criticism, which is if someone is, let's say, criticizing my diet and tells me how mm. unhealthy I eat, but that person um, is always just eating at mcdonald's and kfc then i can't really take that advice seriously or that criticism yeah that's well i think that still depends on the situation like it could be a nutritional uh, scientist and whatever <laughs> who eats at mcdonald's and kfc yeah <laughs> i mean we all have our guilty pleasures <laughs> but um uh, yeah. yeah yeah i i get where you're coming from like from philosophy we also have a similar like viewpoint on this like aristotle uh he was like a few thousand years ago <laughs> like that famous philosopher you probably know um he was also talking about like discussions and arguments and how you can be convincing and he like pinpointed down three means of being uh convincing which uh are like uh, point a like your arguments are solid <laughs> like uh, you basically like your argumentation like your reasoning and stuff that's that's solid um secondly like you should use like uh, emo uh emotions that are like on subject here like for example what he consider false what he'd consider false is um bringing your family to your trial <laughs> um because right. if your wife and kids cry that influences the <laughs> judge in like a well positive way for you but um that's like a false kind of emotional influence you can pay there mm -hmm. you should actually like try uh to evoke emotions by your uh way of speaking <laughs> for like yourself or your situations in the judge not by like external means like your family who's crying because you get the death penalty or whatever <laughs> <laughs> like he was actually like writing about uh that other philosopher who got like killed yeah on trial like yeah mm -hmm. who was he called like, how was he called again whatever and like the third point like you were referring on was the credibility of that person because if we know that that person is like a <laughs> is like inf infamous for uh, lying all the time, like let's take like let's take an example like uh, who do you trust more on? Um, who, uh, I don't know. Uh, 
what what could we take like running okay let's take running a business again <laughs> okay <laughs> oh sure. well my, well that might be difficult here like let's take donald trump <laughs> and let's take <laughs> i don't know let's take elon musk <laughs> okay who who do you would you rather uh, get advice from for running uh, your business and stuff or like who would you actually partner up with for running a business <laughs> okay of course i mean it depends on what i'm trying to achieve if i want to open a casino i would go with trump <laughs> sure enough <laughs> but if i want to have any other kind of business <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, yeah any I other mean, kind of business i would probably go with elon musk yeah. i mean it's still kind of difficult mm -hmm. here because donald trump is like very good at doing business and sure. mediocre at doing presidential stuff but <laughs> um i mean yeah if we partner up with trump that still could lead to a success but like with what means uh, how how do you achieve that success probably not that happy of a way but yeah credibility like which you referred on is like very important uh, for convincing others but um like what like objectively <laughs> Um, if we look at that whole topic of, uh, yeah, of setting your house in order before you can criticize the world, I'd say like objectively criticism from every person, even if they are messy or like failing in their life should be seen independent from that person. Because even though you're a mm -hmm. wreck, your criticism of politics in Germany or whatever could st still have some valid points. Though yep. I'd say like <laughs> the probability of it being valid is connected to like your character and your state as a person, I'd say. Sure. But like sure. if you look at it objectively, I'd say advice or like, okay, not advice, but like criticism maybe should be seen a bit more independent from that person. And still, even if it's like a, I don't know, a business opponent or whatever that advice is coming from, you should like neutrally objectively like uh yeah take it in and reflect on it yeah for sure <laughs> for sure um yeah i think that's important uh important to mention that um at least to me you know i i think or <laughs> i like to kind of pride myself in the mentality that i can take any kind of criticism and that even mm. the harshest um harshest and most destructive criticism there's still something to learn and some truth to it so definitely don't disregard criticism or advice but what i was trying to say is that you also have to be aware okay who is the advice coming from and is that person in a position to actually teach me something or yes, is that definitely. person's life falling apart at any second and le let's take for example uh relationships which i could i could actually illustrate with a personal anecdote but i choose not to because i'd had to mention names <laughs> to, well um, you can i don't know just give them some acronyms or whatever. no, or whatever. no I, I would just person x and person y and <laughs> <laughs> no i would i would just give alice and bob when you go with yeah. programming <laughs> sure um no I, I would just take the general idea for example all right let's say you you are you're looking for relationship advice right and somebody mm -hmm. is trying to tell you I how definitely take Ali Abdal. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
yeah who's looking for a wife on tinder premium um uh-huh. <laughs> i mean yeah to each their own mm. um all right so you're looking for re- relationship advice and someone is telling you how to have a he- healthy relationship and all that but said person has a extremely toxic relationship that is likely to fall mm. apart any second and then of course you're thinking to yourself right uh his advice may be valid in some points and may have some value in them but how could i possibly <laughs> possibly take that advice um you know just accept it 100 without looking who is giving who's actually giving me it, the advice and is mm. that person a position to teach me something so like to put it to put it into a formula like the value of the of the advice is equal to the advice times the personality times the personality factor (laughs) yeah yeah i think that's reasonable i could agree on that (laughs) yeah very nice yeah no i'd say also definitely like if you get a lot of criticism or like advice in your life then definitely first focus on the most valuable advice first before you turn to the plebs that are yeah. <laughs> that are uh yeah criticizing like little i don't know <laughs> in an article you wrote like the uh, pointation <laughs> or like how punctation it's called <laughs> i i've no idea no like like uh <laughs> oh you didn't understand what i mean or like you have no idea how it's called both Okay, like <laughs> as an example, you write an online blog post. You first should take the really valuable advice, like "Oh no, that's the wrong information that I wrote there," before turning to punctuation errors uh, that people are punctu- pointing out. Ah, right. Okay, okay. Now I understood. <laughs> All right, punctuation. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, sure. my mind seems to jump from point to point here. No problem. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. No, I I agree with that. So. Actually, right. we kind of covered now the criticism part first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> before for sure. we covered the set your house in perfect order part. But yeah, um, if we if we come back to like the actual meaning of setting your house in perfect order, then I'd also say like that how orderly you are or how like, uh, how orderly you act and uh, have your workspace is a measure of how maybe disciplined and. Uh, uh yeah yeah maybe how disciplined and organized you are and that kind of plays into that personality factor that we mentioned in our formula there i'd say yeah but i i wouldn't make that the only point uh of judgment there because like no, for sure not. if we look at science again the m- most awesome people are like uh those who make the best discoveries are usually some very very let's put it that way interesting personalities <laughs> yeah that's true and yeah i mean you could be very awesome in some subject and still be failing in other parts of your life and yeah i guess it's uh depending on the situation and like what we're discovering uh, discussing uh, discussing here is just like some kind of generalization of the whole thing of how you sure. could generally act 
Yeah, and I'm quite sure that it just also depends on the industry you're in and on what sure, you're trying sure. to achieve. Because as you said, the scientist, there's kind of this stereotypical picture of the mad scientist with his yeah, messy yeah. workspace and all that. And, you know, let's say in the science community, that person has very high credibility and nobody cares about his workspace. Um, no, I mean, that very high credibility <coughs> usually comes by winning a Nobel Prize or whatever. Before that, you are sure. also, let's say, frowned upon a bit. <laughs> because, sure, oh, course. that weird dude there, not socializing <laughs> at all. Um, sure, but I mean, for example, let's take the scientists where, you know, having a messy room or workspace, nobody mm. really cares as long as you, you know, as long as you're a good scientist and as yes. long as you can show some results and some advancements in whatever industry you're in whereas let's say let's take the example of kind of the nutritionist uh if you're a nutritionist and your diet is all over the place and you just eat um prepped food and eat and go out to mcdonald's and kfc and burger king and whatever then your credibility is not so high and it should be yeah. important that you get your diet right when you're trying to teach other people how to eat healthier you know Mm. There's again this point of just not being hypocritical and being aware, okay, yes, what yes. industry am I in? What person am I? And maybe what's my job? You know, what am I trying to maybe help other people with? And am I actually in a position where I have credibility and where I'm not a hypocrite as <laughs> as many of our beloved politicians are? You know, mm. yeah, that's. I think that's the main point, not being hypocritical and working on being credible yeah but like what i came up like with what what i just came up is if you take peter uh, jordan peterson's advice too much too hard then that could lead to some kind of imposter syndrome more or less sure so you mean when you never feel uh, like you set your house in perfect order enough yeah. and whatever you're talking about is just I'm not an expert yet. I still have to learn about that and that before I really can say that uh, what sure. that uh, that I can talk about the subject. Okay. Yes, but I think we should differentiate between having imposter syndrome and just being very humble, <laughs> because True. what I've noticed in in very high achieving, successful, intelligent people. They usually are extremely humble and always, you know, willing to learn from other people, even if those people may not have, you know, the highest credibility and may be a bit hypocritical. They're mm. always willing to learn. Whereas people who, who struggle with imposter syndrome generally, um, no matter their, let's say, no matter their, their competence in any given area, they always feel like they're stupid and should just shut their mouth which is an extreme that you probably would want to avoid <laughs> because sure. um, do you remember when, when was it you or was it me? I don't remember the Dunning-Kruger effect when we sort of discovered that. Yeah. I think I discovered it through you. Yeah, I sure. think I told you about that. Yeah. Yes. And <laughs> it's, it's interesting how, for those who don't know, so the Dunning-Kruger effect basically states that people who have very little knowledge of any given area usually have very high confidence and, you know, think they know it all. 
And you may know it from your personal experience that when you learn anything new in the beginning, you feel as, oh, I'm, I'm the best in the world. I'm so, I'm so smart and all that. Um, but as soon as you pass a certain threshold of knowledge, let's say, you, you begin to realize or you begin to know what you don't know. <laughs> exactly. You begin to know that actually I'm, I'm, I'm pretty stupid and there's so much in that area or industry I have no idea about. And as you get more and more competent, you know, over time, your confidence also increases again. But uh, yeah, Kind of to the level of a beginner, I think. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> So that's an interesting... in some cases even less. I don't yeah. remember the exact curve, but <laughs> sure, yeah. something like that. And it's an interesting thing because, and we always see. I, I'm sure we know people like that that have very little idea about any given topic, but always are the most confident in discussions and debates. <laughs> and you think, damn, I, I wish I was that confident, you know, when yeah. I know nothing. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, maybe... that's that's like. Uh, point of uh, discussion also like if you're very good at talking if you're very good at that emotional part then your arguments can be shitty your credibility can be shitty but people will still <laughs> gravitate towards you because you have this kind of charisma <laughs> exactly and not competence. i actually i actually remember when i was in i think it was 12th grade uh, when we had a uh, hard cut debate professional yeah. teacher uh, come to our school yeah. and kind of teach us about debating and public speaking and all that and after after the sort of course um she kind of sat down with us and just you know talked to us normally about the weather and stuff and one of us asked you know how important are those visual cues and you know, the confidence uh, you kind of express and exude when you're speaking. And that one was like, yeah, you know, to be quite honest with you, 80% is just body language and uh, voice <laughs> and confidence. 20% oh, yeah. is content. And she said that, <laughs> she said that, you know, she worked with a ton of, you know, CEOs and managers and all that. And she has, she said that with every single one of them, she kind of taught them that, you know, content is actually not that important if you know how to convey a message. And mm. your what you are saying can be so, so simple and so obvious. But if you know how to speak and <laughs> if you are kind of charismatic, everybody will believe you and everybody will think you're so amazingly smart when mm. all you did was say that, um, I don't know, the horse is brown. But you oh, say it with damn. such charisma that uh, everybody no, thinks like you... We have to increase our working hours to get more profit. <laughs> exactly. Everybody's clapping. Then after five yeah. minutes, wait, did he just... <laughs> what did we just agree to? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's pretty sad. Actually, I was, I was somewhat angry at that time when I, when I heard that because mm. I was actually hoping she would say the opposite. Where she yeah. would say, okay, it's actually 80% content. That's like the ideal, like which everyone would hope for, like objective discussions, not influenced by yeah. uh, side effects like body language. So. But to be quite honest, I've noticed even myself when I'm maybe, maybe watching a TED talk or just generally people speaking, and they may be extremely smart and have done great research and all that, but if they... Mm. 
don't know how to convey that message. And if they're, you know, there's zero charisma and they're just boring as fuck, then I don't want to listen to it, no matter how how valuable the information may be. I may force myself through it if I think the information is very important, but I definitely do not enjoy it. And that person is definitely not memorable. I would I, I would try to forget as fast as possible just because <laughs> it was so terrible, you know? And sadly, or maybe not sadly, but it is important to have a certain degree of charisma and to work on your voice and presentation skills because mm. nobody's going to take you seriously if you do not know how to present yourself and your ideas. Like the easiest way to be to become that way when giving a presentation is to start the you podcast. just have to be... <laughs> you just have to be very hyped and like interested in the topic you're talking about because if you like do that then your charisma automatically is like very and very much increasing and you become very convincing just because you like you're like yourself very interested in the topic topic you're talking about and i noticed that also like in my uh, professors like i can really tell like the professors who are really interested in um, getting us educated and really interested in, in their topic that they're talking about i can really get uh, a feeling of yeah i want to listen more to that i want to learn that whereas the other lectures <laughs> were the opposite with a monotone voice like going over the lectures like ah oh, shit why do i have to do this again <laughs> sunday <laughs> afternoon i'm recording my lecture there yeah. <laughs> i would go out with my family right now yeah, rather sure. um, there you get like a feeling of Oof, no, do I really, next week again, I have to listen to three hours of lectures again there? Shit, yeah. no. Yeah, and like, just as a general recommendation, like for you guys out there, if you're looking for a book <laughs> that's uh, trying to teach you how to speak, like, effectively in public, so, so to speak, <laughs> take Dale Carnegie's uh, book, uh, how to speak effectively or, in, or whatever it's called yeah uh, you'll find it if you google those words i suppose <clears throat> he's basically sure. condensing down the knowledge of ted talks in one book yeah and like yeah, the exactly. other part of that uh metal here is like you can't just learn public speaking from reading a book <laughs> fucking speak in public <laughs> yeah. start a podcast or whatever discuss at the family table go out in the middle of the train station just start just start a lecture you know what do you think of the covid (laughs) regulations (laughs) or something like that yes and go ahead go ahead no yeah i'm I'm basically done with my appeal here so to speak sure um do you think maybe we can get like an affiliate link for that book affiliate link nice Um, yeah maybe make two cents amazon or whatever yeah um sure try. sure yeah it, it's not that <laughs> difficult to set up that uh, program <clears throat> affiliate program there yeah. <laughs> uh anyways <laughs> what i wanted to say is that um what i've noticed about people who are very charismatic and sort of um you really have the feeling that they're really passionate about something what i've noticed is that those people more often than not are not that passionate about the subject in and of, in it in and of itself that was the word that i was searching for thank you (laughs) um no problem um they're not that passionate about the subject itself more often than not they're really passionate about speaking 
and about public mm. speaking more specifically. I think if you can get to a point where you just enjoy talking <laughs> and where you just enjoy speaking in public and sharing your ide- your ideas, that you can tackle basically every topic and you're going to come over as being passionate and uh, yeah, really yeah. into it just because you know how to speak. I mean, that's that's kind of the main prize that you could win <coughs> by starting to speak public. Like, that you actually are getting fond of it, getting to like public speaking. And just because of that, you're very passionate and therefore charismatic. But for most people, I'd say it's the opposite. Like, many people kind of even fear of it to get on stage and to <laughs> sure. put themselves out there and... Yeah, yeah but then I, think it, I guess it's easiest to just talk about a subject that you are passionate about because that way you are like guaranteed at least some percent of those 80% <laughs> you talked about earlier. Yeah, sure. And if you I, like put yourself out there and get fun of that whole public speaking thing, then you get to the main prize you've been talking about, I guess. Sure. Yeah, I, I think it's important for the beginning, especially to choose subjects that you are already passionate about as you said and that you don't have you know to force anything you can focus on being a little more charismatic and not necessarily on actually caring about the subject because that's pretty hard mm. and man i want to say something about <laughs> it yeah very nice i can I well you can topics. think a bit more i talk about my experiences a bit sure, more here. go ahead um like for me i also noticed like when i was giving presentations in school that I actually cared about <laughs> giving like not because for a good grade because I was interested in that top interested in that topic that made the whole process of figuring out a speech and like uh, coming up with ideas for it and like actually delivering it so much more pleasurable <laughs> to yeah. speak so to speak and after like giving that such a talk you feel like you could move mountains and <laughs> like you you want more of that feeling you want to talk about another subject and if you get into that like if you if you consistently kind of get into delivering talks about whatever subject yeah, that will be like of a huge value in your life i suppose for sure like in every area at your family table at discussions also yeah. in job business whatever <laughs> Yeah, especially there, man. If you if you are able to convey ideas with passion and with a certain degree of charisma, yeah, you know, when people hear charisma, they think, "Oh man, I'm I have to be an extrovert and I have to love to talk to people <laughs> and I have to be super outgoing and all that." And yeah, while you know all that stuff may help, I think it's much more important to just figure out what your charisma is and not try to copy someone else's mm. because if you are trying to be as charismatic as tony stark uh, <laughs> it's just gonna be very hard on you uh if well, you're you have to get the right suit and then sure but if you're generally very introverted and maybe pretty shy it's going to be very hard for you to kind of force yourself into that and also forcing yourself to be a certain type of person is never good because sooner or later it's going to backfire and yeah, sure. you you can't keep up that image for too long. So kind of trying to find your way and to see, okay, what is my charisma actually about? And in what situations do I feel charismatic? Or in what situation do people tell me, hey, you were really charism- really passionate about the subject, you know? And what helped me, uh, for example, are two things. Really thinking about the situations where I feel, first of all, like completely myself, 
which is of course you know around family where i just feel mm. like i can be completely myself and don't have to put up any kind of you know every kind of filter or anything <laughs> and then also well i suppose um, there's still some kind of filtering going on but <laughs> with my parents mm, i don't think so no not really mm. Even when it Very comes to cursing, I can I can curse sometimes. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I I generally don't curse that much, so you know it's really not no. With my family, I really feel one hundred percent authentic, and I kind of try to channel that and figure out okay what makes me feel authentic in that situation, what makes mm. me feel charismatic, and also what has helped me is and as strange as it sounds to kind of just record yourself or film yourself talking. And see, okay, where are my strong points? Oh, where are my what points? are we doing right here now? Hmm. Yeah, not for not what for a coincidence, fans, by the way. <laughs> uh, as not for only fans, man. I think our offer still stands. You can still send in in, in pictures with photoshopped uh, with, with us photoshopped. Sure. Uh, just listen to last week's episode, and you, if you don't know what we're talking about, then. <laughs> Um, no, but just recording yourself if you don't like to film it. But I think filming yourself is actually more beneficial because you can mm -hmm. actually see your gestures and maybe your yes, little sure. strange tick. What I did for preparation for my A-levels, I recorded myself studying for the oral exams because I, I had the need to feel like I'm talking to an audience, so I just filmed myself. And I still yeah. have the recordings and I just noticed so many strange tics about me <laughs> and so many different uh facial expressions i do and mm -hmm. that i had to kind of keep in check during the oral exam because i think it would be quite irritating yes. to <laughs> to talk the way i talk in those recordings and over the past year i could say i've just as i've also with the podcast and also just generally just sometimes just record myself talking or talking the car by myself you very quickly yeah. notice your uh, different ticks and maybe also your strengths and weaknesses and then you can figure out okay what is a an authentic form of charisma for me and how can i implement that and it was a very long monologue <laughs> <laughs> but i i hope you get my idea no yeah sure very nice was that what you wanted to talk about earlier like where you didn't rem uh, recall what you <laughs> actually uh, no, wanted I, to talk about i forgot that i forgot oh, what a shame complete, maybe you come up with that no sure all right um maybe we can we get back on track like with setting your house in perfect sure. order because <laughs> um, we already talked about um the actual way of setting your house in order like how that could be beneficial like or maybe like we can still cover like some aspects of that idea there because if you set your house in, in perfect order it's kind of that military style of where everything is sorted out and you have a routine and as we know strong yeah. habits are <laughs> basically what floats your uh, daily boat when it comes to productivity <laughs> well very nice metaphor <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes yeah, exactly yeah but okay um i think what john peterson has also been talking about with setting your house in perfect order um is not only about like your rights or uh, your uh, <laughs> credibility in criticizing others it's also like about benefits for yourself that you can get by first focusing on yourself and what you can improve on yourself before you go out there in the world Yeah. Would would you agree with with that? 
so to yeah. speak. Yeah. Um, yeah, because he's uh, he's kind of in my uh, as as far as I I judge it, he's bringing in ideas of stoicism there. Because uh, sure. kind of what he's saying, uh, I think that's an actual quote from the book, like, before blaming the universe for your misfortunes, first consider what personal responsibility did you have in your misfortune? Did you do everything within your power to improve your situation? Or did you passively sabotage yourself by letting bad things happen to you? Yeah, man. And that's like... Um, powerful. Kind of the idea of stoicism, of focusing on what you can like actually influence and like getting around the subject that's bothering you in the sense of is it in my sphere of influence can i do something about the problem is it my fault that uh, that stuff happened and if it's not my fault then it's just another external that i can't influence and that i should therefore let go so to speak <laughs> yeah yeah for sure what what will really resonates with me in, in that quote is the personal responsibility part because i very strongly feel that in today's society and uh, let's say generation what is it z x y <laughs> i don't know we don't have any millennials. letters anymore <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> we run out of of letters we have to start at a again we have um, to start with chinese letters now <laughs> <laughs> we have enough um, of those <laughs> but yeah, what really resonated with me is that personal responsibility part because I very strongly feel that in today's society, especially let's say our generation or you know, are <laughs> are very how do I put this? Are Snow not feet. fans not yeah, no. I not are not necessarily fans of personal responsibility. Uh because what I've noticed is that if you talk to people about personal responsibility and uh, kind of try to change your perspectives that they're not not just a victim of their circumstances and mm. of the political system although of course these are important influences but mm. it doesn't mean that you have to be a victim of them and when you talk to those people about personal responsibility and that you have the power to kind of change your circumstances to make the best of it to improve your life and yourself as a human being and to still become, you know, a valuable member to society or whatever you're trying to achieve, whatever your definition of success is. Um, usually what lies in the response to that is that, you know, it's hard. Yeah, man, but it's hard, <laughs> but it's difficult, yes. but it's really stressful and takes all my mental energy. And I'm like, yeah, sure. But you have to decide your, your life is going to be hard either way, either because you choose to you know be a victim which completely puts you out of control of your own life or because you choose to kind of shoulder the re responsibility for your own life and you know, take yeah. responsibility and move forward and improve yourself in your life and your life's going to be hard either way and there's going to be suffering either way you just have to figure out okay what am i willing to endure and what kind of suffering am i you know am i willing to accept in my life because you're going to suffer either way and you know if <laughs> you have to you... basically make the best out of the playing cards you get dealt at the beginning of the game of life <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly this is very strong in my position and i think not not i think i know that everybody has the capacity to change their lives in some way or another because 
again, when people hear change your life and it's sort of become this you know, motivational quote and all that all over social media. Um, but it doesn't mean that uh, you're one day you're a couch potato and the next day you're going to be a millionaire. That's not what changing your life means. It means <laughs> taking many steps, many habits, you know, mm. from... Atomic uh, going habits, from, another book. <laughs> exactly. Going from 300 kilos to uh, 280 in a year maybe and start running, start exercising a bit. You know, there's a little steps, but over time they compound and they change your life and they improve your life and suddenly you realize, okay, I'm not actually a victim to my circumstances mm. and I can change them and I can take this personal responsibility and move forward with that. And I will still suffer. There's still going to be suffering along the way, but at least that kind of suffering will be meaningful in some way. Yeah, I guess it's very much um, helpful to see your life as a game where you yeah. only have one life <laughs> in, in uh, ultra hardcore mode where everything is over <laughs> once you die. <laughs> yeah. And if, if you were playing like a video game with those settings, you would apply like a lot of overthinking and um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of your willpower in making it like <laughs> the best uh, game for yourself there, like to win, <laughs> so to speak even though it depends on the game and whatever <laughs> winning means for you. Um, so why why do you choose to just do nothing and to just <laughs> stand around <laughs> in that game of your life there and don't try to get anywhere? No. I mean, it surely depends on which game you're playing, but... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure, for, for sure. And I think... What really helped me, and that's why I, I talk about it. Again, I'm not trying to be hypocritical. I'm, I'm actually now explaining why I say all that stuff and why I believe in it. Because mm. there has been quite a big... Um, Your personal religion. Pers perspe <laughs> personal religion. <laughs> uh, perspective change over the last few years, which is that I realized, okay... Again, when people hear, for example, the word discipline, you have to be more disciplined. I have to be disciplined to wake up early and work out or whatever. You need discipline for basically every single area of your they life. They think about army and then they think about Germany and then they think about Nazis <laughs> and then they think about bad. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's probably a thought process of, <laughs> of some people. Um, but yeah, when people hear discipline, they think of it as this negative thing and this a kind of almost self-destructive thing, whereas you mm. know your life is constantly hard and you're constantly fighting your inner demons or whatever. And while <laughs> that's partially true, you have to realize that whether or not you choose to be disciplined, again, your life is going to be hard and full of suffering either way. The difference is in when you choose to be disciplined, you actually have the means to, you know, to make this kind of suffering somewhat meaningful and to overcome it and mm. when you're not disciplined at all and don't care about improving yourself as, as a human being then you know all hardships in life will just really take their toll on you and you're, you're going to end up depressed and lonely and victimized uh, because you choose not to be disciplined and you choose not to work on yourself and you know improve your life in some way and again this kind of improvement doesn't have to be 
major. You don't have to go from 300 kilos to 100 in one week. That's not the point. And it's not, it's not possible, <laughs> by the way. Um, it's just realizing. It's okay, possible, man, you know, surgery. Yeah, <laughs> I don't recommend it, though. <laughs> but yeah, sure, it's possible. If you have the money, uh, sure, mm -hmm. go ahead, do whatever you want. But I mean, for the other 99% of people, it's just maybe, you know, maybe you're used after work, you, you get home and you spend all of your time watching TV until you fall asleep on the couch. Maybe say, okay, I want to be more disciplined. I want to improve my life. Maybe instead of watching TV until I fall asleep, the first thing I do when I come back from work, I can read one page from a book and then I can watch TV <laughs> till I fall asleep. Yeah. And the next day or the next week, you say, okay, now I'm going to read two pages and three and four and so on. Those are little changes, but over time, over you know a period of five years, you, you, you're going to be used to reading, I don't know, five chapters after you get back from work and you still still still... You can still watch TV if you want to. You probably won't even do that. Anymore. Exactly, you probably <laughs> won't because you realize, hey man, I'm reading and my yeah, I'm kind of uh, sharpening my sword, as David Goggins says always. You're sharpening your mental sword, and I'm I'm, oh, I'm better I, I organizing my thoughts. I heard that quote in another that. form, like sharpening your saw. <laughs> your saw. <Yeah. laughs> sure. Your mental Same soul. Thing yeah, but yeah, true, true. I think that's from the book um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Another book um, we can put probably. into the description. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, no, no, I completely sense. agree. Like how I view discipline is not like um, in the sense of discipline is forcing myself to do the stuff I don't want to do. It's like discipline is forcing myself to do the stuff I want to do. Exactly. <laughs> because discipline is like, why do you have, do you need to have discipline? Discipline is just a mean of achieving something you you want in your life and that can be like hard because there are all those external influences in your life that bring you away from that goal and discipline doesn't mean to force yourself into a rigid timetable structure or whatever it just means figuring out how you get to where you want to be in your life <laughs> it's actually something you want it uh, it adds so much more value so to speak to your suffering than to just yeah accept that you <laughs> can't get anywhere in life <laughs> except that you're doomed to die yes. lonely yes. and sad it's like the human uh, <laughs> spirit of never accepting yeah. such things hope is the last thing that dies but it also dies sometimes <laughs> have you have you heard of of that navy seal uh jocko willing uh, there are so many navy name. seals out there who are giving yeah, awesome true. talks I, I have no idea what is he talking about. Uh, he also has a podcast, very good. But one of his favorite oh, things collaboration. To say, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe one day. But uh, a thing he really likes to, you know, to say and to focus on is that discipline actually equals freedom. Because when you are disciplined and when you do all the stuff that you said you're going to do, and when you, you know, when you actively work towards your goals and ultimately achieve them that gives you freedom and not not only freedom in a let's say metaphorical sense but also let's talk let's take finances for example if you are disciplined and don't spend your monthly budget on gucci belts and uh, i don't know what <laughs> other stuff just to look rich um then you're gonna hey, have money don't left. criticize my hobbies <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, <laughs> always seeing you with that Gucci, Gucci belt and mm. I don't know. Yeah, and my chihuahua and my handbag. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but if you're disciplined and don't do that and actually have some money left at the end of the month to invest or, you know, to buy, maybe even to buy, I don't know, courses that are going to enable you to maybe make more money in the future or to invest in your education, whatever it may be. Um, <laughs> yeah, America, 40,000 bucks student loan. You can yeah, come up with that by saving. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy over there. But the idea remains. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you if you're able to be disciplined about your finances and budget correctly and invest the money where it should be invested in the long run, so that mm. one day you can be financially free or at least don't depend so much on one single source of income or one single job. Uh, because I think Ali Abdalos said that that, and I completely agree that no matter how much you love your job and you love the industry you're in, if if you completely depend on it financially, then one day, sooner or later, you're gonna you're gonna hate it mm. because there's no freedom. You completely depend on it. But if you have multiple sources of income, let's say maybe you have some uh, houses you rent out or apartments, and maybe you invest in stocks, and maybe you have some side hustle, side business, and you also have your full time job, then going to work one day will become sort of optional and then you can go because you actually enjoy it and because you actually want to go there and not because you are forced by some kind of financial constraints but yeah it, it's very hard i think especially for us young people <laughs> to <laughs> think that way because there's very strongly this feeling of wanting to impress our peers with expensive mm. stuff or wanting to appear richer than we are or whatever and i certainly feel that sometimes too but i just i just don't care like <laughs> i just yeah, don't no, like care the, I, the yeah. general concept like we've been talking about and peterson has been talking about is temporarily putting yourself in a worse position compared to others and with this deficit that you're investing in whatever kind of way with the the interest that compounds over time there so to speak in the long run you'll be off thrice as good <laughs> Or if that's yeah. like three times as good as <laughs> as uh, as all the others there, like in your uh, well-being and whatever, just by sure. temporarily putting yourself in a uh, kind of yeah worse position there. Sure, that's it's what always, discipline is about. <laughs> it's always playing the long game, you know. For yeah, the long term, the long term, yeah. exactly. Life because, is a game, you know. With that, yeah, exactly. if you see it that way, then you will definitely take like more objective. Uh, decisions exactly i mean you will realize okay do i actually need that 500 bucks gucci belt just to impress someone who by the way you may impress someone for you know a few seconds but after that they're going to forget <laughs> about it and you're not going to care about your belt anymore but 500 bucks are just gone just burned whereas if you invested those 500 bucks and over a period of 20 years you're going to have, I don't know how much, let's say a return of 8% per year. Let me actually calcul calculate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, while well, you calculate it. Um, yeah, it's like, uh, what, it's like questioning yourself, what do you value more in life? Or like, if you look at another person with a Gucci belt and another one who didn't buy that Gucci belt, like, what do you value more? Like the financial <laughs> worth of the... Uh, person who bought a gucci belt or their uh, ferrari or 
whatever a fancy car or is it yeah. the humbleness and the minimalism of the other person who exactly. restricted themselves to no. i don't know <laughs> donate money or <laughs> i actually have the number now mm -hmm. so if you invested 500 bucks a month for only 10 years and let's say you have an a average return of eight percent then okay, you'd that's have a bit, that's a bit high i'd say <laughs> Speculative. Yeah, okay. Even if it's okay, make it five percent. Okay. Make it. 5%. Let's say. With, let, let, uh, let's make it six. Let's make it six. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> if you invested five hundred bucks a month for ten years only, and ten years you is really not that long. Inflation. Um. Sure. Okay. Um. And you're in the average of six percent, then you'd have a little over eighty thousand dollars today. Just. Okay, of course you have to, yeah, you have to take away the, like the inflation which, and all that. Which time period? Like ten years. Ten years, five hundred bucks every month. Yes. Oh well, I recalculated now. <laughs> Times ten. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, solid. <laughs> But like, how how did you calculate that? Like, did you calculate This that with a six percent increase at the end of the? Like just saving 500 bucks uh, for 10 years every month gives you 60,000 bucks. Did you then apply the uh, return rate already or? No, I there's a online yeah, investment okay. calculator and you can just put those things in and yeah, calculates yeah. for you. So <laughs> no idea. What with 8% then or 9% that you were talking about initially? <laughs> mm, I think with, with 8% it is, wait. <clears throat> A little over 90,000. What do you learn from that? Um, invest in high risk stocks. <laughs> yeah. Then you get more money. <laughs> This is, by the way, not financial advice. <laughs> Finance 101. High risk, yeah. high reward. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe 10% of your portfolio can be high risk, but all the yeah. other stuff. Yeah, it's, you're you should off. consider that as like your gambling money. Exactly. We could also talk about finance. We should We get should. some. Uh, We should, yeah. Oh, how are they called? Like in English, like what? What is BWL in English? <laughs> I think economics. Yeah, some kind of e business economics stuff. We should get someone that studies that here <laughs> sure. to talk a bit do, about finance. Do you know then. someone or? Oh no, not really, because like at my university, they are frowned upon. You don't want to spend time with those people. <laughs> <laughs> really, yes. I mean, Tom yeah, BWL. That's shitty, you know. <laughs> By the yeah, way, I'm I mean, just joking. You're awesome, guys, too. <laughs> you're just saying that so, <laughs> so they don't hate you back. Um, It's just like the relationship between chemistry and physics, you know? Joking, yeah. uh, jokingly, um, insulting each other, you know? <laughs> true. But I think economics, especially in Germany, is very frowned upon. That's true. Mm. Also, I realize also in America and some to some extent but in germany it's really frowned upon if you study economics mm. or almost any kind of economical major for that matter uh, well, why is it that way actually is it because I people think know. you're only interested in your own success and money or i mean i i think part of the reason is that objectively studying economics is not as hard as studying physics or medicine or you know law or whatever that's probably the case yes <laughs> and It's kind of the joke that, you know, where you have to study maybe for a phys physics exam, you have to study for like multiple weeks or even months. 
uh, for an economics <laughs> exam, apparently it's enough to study just a few days before or a week before. Let's, just let's like put school, it that way. You know? Objectively, yes, you should study months before that. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> your timetable doesn't allow anything else than a week beforehand other than sure. special cases but yes <laughs> sure i think that's part of the reason just it isn't considered that hard of a major and and also as you said probably people think that anyone who studies economics is just interested in money and success and fame and kind of climbing the corporate ladder and making as much money as possible and maybe having a a you know high status in society or whatever and maybe self-centered and so i don't know man i i honestly don't really get it because i mean i understand it of course i understand where they're coming from and why it may be frowned upon but really it's just a major like every other major mm. and really you the need people, people to study need to put in a lot of work to get their degree yeah, so. sure. yeah. exactly <laughs> very nice so one last idea before we wrap it up I, i'd say is in sure. again the set your house in perfect order part peterson is also kind of talking about preparing for disaster <laughs> <laughs> when disaster strikes in the future there yes like if you are already prepared for in the actual sense for i don't know uh flooding or like when <laughs> or yeah exactly like if your house burns down if you don't have an insurance then you're fucked basically and what <laughs> setting your house in perfect order in the actual sense means is getting an insurance or preparing for nuclear fallout or whatever <laughs> in, in <laughs> I the mean, most extreme sense so to speak and in the sorry. figurative sense it means like investing time into quadrant two activities which come up every episode right now but I've quadrant two in the eisenhower matrix again i explain it again for all of you who don't still uh, who don't yet know it you can put activities into basically a two by two matrix where you can divide the matrix into or like the activities into activities that are important or not important and urgent and not urgent And the most important uh, or the most valuable activities that you could pursue are in the quadrant two of that matrix, which is the um, important and not urgent sector. Because all those activities in the long term, like in the long term game, which we talked about, they will pay out like uh, <laughs> with 8% interest or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. and, and those activities like preparing for was possible like flooding damage or uh, possible your house burning down or like in the business sense for um, preparing some kind of um, personnel training like training your employees uh, implementing that in your business for example um, those are the most valuable activities that you could pursue and that's what also Peterson is kind of talking about there with prepare mm -hmm. for disaster <laughs> yeah but i i do realize um oh let's let's say yeah i do realize why why it's very hard to actually act on that because <laughs> as you said those quadrant two activities usually don't have an immediate return and yes, therefore you act also and you not act urgent. And you, yeah exactly and you're disciplined for i don't know how many months and years and for some reason you don't really see any results But as you said, over the long term, compound interest and all those yeah. <laughs> fancy magical words. The compound interest um, of productivity are atomic habits. 
Exactly. And then you let for, let's say let's say for example uh, you again you want to be more healthy and you decide to work out every day for only 15 minutes let's say. And you think, oh man, I work out for 15 minutes, but you know, other people work out for two hours every day and all that. I mean, yeah, but let's be honest. How long can you keep up a schedule of working out two hours per day if you're not Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> if you're not doing it for a living. Exactly. So you can say, okay, 15 minutes, I know I can do that. I can keep that up for five years. And after five years, you're super muscular and uh, <laughs> super confident in your own body. And you're happy that you started five years ago. And those things, that's why it's hard because we don't see an immediate return. And in today's day and age, again, with social media and all that, we are used to an immediate rush of dopamine whenever we want it. Short and wherever attention, we want it. Uh, attention spans and... Exactly. Yeah. And that's then why when nobody's somebody, reading. <laughs> exactly. And then when somebody tells us, you know, you, you have to do something for five years without really seeing any change or any results. But then after five years, you will be you know, on top of the world, uh, figurative, figuratively speaking, of course. Um, it's very hard because we are used to, you know, having everything at our fingertips, whatever we want, uh, entertainment and education and rush of dopamine social media i don't know uh, bikini girls on instagram <laughs> <laughs> or whatever and we're so used to not having to fight for that stuff anymore and not yeah. having to be patient also that porn. it's very hard yeah por of course <laughs> only fans yeah there we are again <laughs> just 12 bucks a month guys mm. 12 bucks a month and while you're watching me doing various things with my body i'll talk to you about business <laughs> and economics <laughs> and productivity <laughs> and self-improvement i think you can get off to that guys <laughs> exactly oh god uh, i i really hope that doesn't hey, become a like a running idea, joke no it's <laughs> like an educational only fans mm -hmm. but do you know how only only fans actually started like the initial I have, intention i have no idea I, I recently stumbled upon it, uh -huh. which you're you're gathering information. I see sure, quadrant yeah. two activities here for you. Of your course, I, I I work investment. on my business plan. I work on my mm. business plan for my OnlyFans. No, I stumbled upon it that OnlyFans was originally, um, or the original intention was that OnlyFans would be a platform where artists could be independent from you know corporate media and social mm. media and all that, and wouldn't have to rely on that but uh, could rely, as the name states, on their fans uh, yes. that are willing to pay for you know, their services or whatever. Kind of like Patreon. Kind of like Patreon or Fiverr, kind of freelance websites, kind of like that. Um, of course, the model is a bit different, but that was the initial mm. intention to support independent artists and all that. And of course, now it has turned into a sort of soft porn website. <laughs> um where yeah it's just ridiculous i i don't get it and i think yeah, it must be I mean, very it's, frustrating it's like for frustrating for the ceo or exactly. whoever built I mean, up that thing i mean you have this great idea and you think yeah man i we will be able to support artists in their work and uh they're gonna not they, they're not gonna be forced to depend on any kind of corporate social media media mm -hmm. platforms and suddenly you see it turns into uh, a porn platform 17 18 year old girls who you know I know it's 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 very it must be very frustrating <laughs> definitely but yeah you can still always sell that company but then like still in your cv 
<lacht> ja. Botanias CEO of OnlyFans. That's, that must be, yeah, I agree. That must be a bit frustrating. I mean, but if you're fine with that, then sure, that must be the best thing in the world. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they make a ton of money. I, I'm actually interested oh, yeah. how, who, I mean, first of all, who's the CEO of OnlyFans? <laughs> By the way, just an idea for you. Like yeah. one of your next uh, web page programming projects could be making an OnlyFans page for yourself. <laughs> Why would I do that? <laughs> yeah, you know, work experience, and then you could put that in your uh, on yeah. your GitHub. And man, like, I'm sure every company is going to take me seriously from that point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every every company in the porn industry, at least. Okay, wait, so uh, the CEO of OnlyFans is Tim Stokely and his net worth is 76 million as of 2019. That's a lot. And I'm I'm sure in 2020 it was way more. No, 120 million. Wow. Of course, again, uh, it's the net worth, so he doesn't actually have 120 million in his bank. Just so... It's also a discussion we can maybe have in one of, mm. our, of our finance episodes, which yeah, drives me crazy, man. Actual well, money you have and just the exactly <laughs> money you money you have in, from the when stocks people you are like, company oh, he's worth uh, three million. Why d- doesn't he give that money back to his community? Or I don't know, man. Yeah, he the funny thing is that actually some million. of those people have to take like loans and stuff, exactly, <laughs> to get exactly. actual money that they can use. That's not like invested like in their company, so to speak. Exactly, exactly. Or even yo super rich people like Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. People are like, oh man, he's so green and all that. Yeah, man. But do you realize that, for example, Jeff Bezos has all of his money in stocks in Amazon, and he actually doesn't have any. Like he doesn't just <laughs> he can't just take that money and buy houses with them or just <laughs> give them away to mm. community. You know, it's just, they don't actually have 120 billion dollars in the bank account it's invested and in assets and in their companies and man it drives me crazy actually makes me angry (laughs) that people don't realize the difference seems like a nice episode idea to talk about finance in the future i'd say but we are already quite far into the episode (laughs) and i'd say we wrap it up now wait okay sorry sure <laughs> i just looked at my recording and it for some reason just kind of seemed like it stopped but it was just lagging oh man <laughs> that kind of gave me a, a, a small heart attack right now <laughs> yeah all right as i said like let's wrap it up for this episode um sure. what has jordan peterson been talking about in rule six set your house in perfect order before you criticize the world first of all when it comes to criticizing the world you can't just rely on how objective your criticism is it also to a certain factor depends on your credibility as a person and that credibility depends on how much your life how much your house is in order figuratively and actually and therefore before you set out in the world to criticize others ask yourself is what i'm criticizing not just leading to hypocrisy because i'm (laughs) A nutritional expert that's <laughs> going to KFC and McDonald's and <laughs> eating unhealthy. Um, yeah, ask yourself that. If it's not the case, if you think your criticism is valuable, then nobody has the right to take away your right of speaking. Um, 
If it is the case, then focus on following aspects. Yes. Yes. Um, actually, let me quickly just talk about that victim mentality thing because uh, I right. consider it quite important. Um, so, <laughs> what is, let's say, maybe not explicitly stated in uh, in in this chapter, but it's definitely important, is that you realize that you are not a victim to anything or anyone or your circumstances or any of course you can be objectively but you have to realize you can take personal responsibility for your life and try to improve yourself and try to move forward and actually make a better life for yourself and try to get rid of you know self-destructive thoughts of negativity like self-doubt self-pity or again this victim mentality because it's of no use your life is going to be hard either way. You just have to choose what you're willing to suffer. And in that finding that you have personal responsibility, you will realize that even the suffering and even the hard times are actually worthwhile. Yeah, very nice. And in that sense, you can apply kind of the thought of stoicism here. Detach from externals that you can't influence and whatever is in your sphere of influence, just as you talked about, get to work on those problems get out of your victim mentality because you can make a change in your life if you focus on those things and when it comes to worthwhile activities you have to do or you can spend your time in ask yourself are they in quadrant two of the eisenhower matrix are they important and not urgent will they lead to a long-term uh, return on investment here and like that i think you're quite well prepared for life and challenges it yeah provides for sure Very that was nice. a nice episode enjoyed it oh, as i always. also really enjoyed it <laughs> and also thank you guys again so much for for listening for tuning in i hope you could take yes. some value from this episode and yeah i would say see you next week bye bye mm-hmm.